Welcome to the Rocky Valley Podcast. This is Pastor Jason Moe. We're glad you stopped in to have a listen, and we hope that this blesses you in some way. Valley. If you're visiting with us today, we're glad that you made it. If you'd fill out a visitor's card and place that in the offering plate. Some quick announcements real quick. Remember, VBS starts next Sunday, so if you uh, are involved in VBS, there's a meeting today after uh, the service. It'll be about 30 minutes. And hopefully, if you're a leader, you bought your binder for that. And then still in need for of uh, juice boxes and waters. So um, if, if you're able... Bring those and also jerseys, um, clear down to small t-ball size to, if we have any pro athletes in here, pro sizes. So big or small, bring those. Do what? Okay, good. <laughs> Ask you for your, profession, your defensive tackle, Titans. Um, not that you couldn't be a defensive back, too, but yeah. anyway. Um, and also providing meals for McElroy family. There's a, a sign up for the makeameal.com search name and passcode. And then still in need for uh, security volunteers. If you're willing to do that, please see Brother Jason. And then if you're a man, make note June 16th, there's a speaker. Um, and that meal will start at 5 30 and asking if there's any ladies that would be able to make a dessert or anything like that. If you're able, see uh, candy for that. And I believe that's all. Did I miss something? Okay, if there are no other announcements, I'm going to open us up in a word of prayer and if we'd take time to greet each other this morning. Dear Lord God, we just thank you uh, so much, Lord, just that you brought us back in your house today. Lord, we thank you uh, just uh, that we have a place, Lord, that we can come and hear your word and be among believers, Lord, and just uh, uh, just hear your word. Lord, we thank you for the, the song that we heard this morning, Lord, and the time in our classes, Lord. Just be with us during this time, Lord. Um, be with Brother Jason as he brings your word, Lord. We, we ask you to be with us during the, the upcoming week as we uh, have vacation Bible school here, Lord. Just be with the teachers and uh, everyone involved at cooking to uh, dancing, Lord, and recreation. Just be with everyone, Lord, as, as uh, these kids come in from all walks of life, Lord, and we just can help to bring your word, Lord, to them at a young age, Lord. Uh, just be with us during that time, Lord. We ask you to be with one's um, that have lost loved ones over the past few weeks, Lord, be with them, Lord. Help them to lean on you, Lord, and, and come to you, Lord. Um, ones that are sick or ones that are traveling, Lord, or going to travel, Lord, just be with them, Lord. Um, Lord, just pray that you would forgive us where we fail you, Lord. Just help us during this time, Lord. Be with Brother Jason as he brings your word. Lord, if someone doesn't know you, just pray, Lord, that today that your spirit would come down, Lord, and just uh, fill that void, Lord, and lead them to you. Just be with us during this time, Lord. It's in your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Okay, let's take time to greet each other this morning.
praise Thee, O God, for the Son of Thy love, for Jesus who died and is now gone above. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Hallelujah, amen. Hallelujah, thine the glory. Revive us
That should be our prayer, that we would want Jesus more than anything this world affords today. As we continue to worship choir, will you stand? God of wonders, beyond our galaxy, you are holy. Depth of your love, you are 
majesty enthroned above, and I stand, I stand in awe of you, I stand, I stand in awe of you, holy God to whom all praise is due, I stand. Wonderful for comprehension, like nothing ever seen or heard. Who can grasp your infinite wisdom? Who can fathom the depths of your love? You are beautiful beyond majesty enthroned above, and I stand, I stand in awe of you, I stand, I stand in awe of you, holy God to whom all praise is due, I stand in
Amen, amen, amen. Well, they sound gooder and gooder every time, don't they? I've been working hard with them on Wednesday nights. I got that soprano line singing up there this week. They sounded good. But it is a wonderful morning to be here in the Lord's house to worship the God of wonders beyond our galaxy because he's holy. He's a mighty fortress. And when we look to the world around us, I believe we can't help but say, Behold our God. Thank you so much, choir, for leading us in such rich worship from a lyrical standpoint this morning. Thank you so much for that, and musicians and leaders. And now we turn our attention to worship through the reading and hopefully the teaching of the holy words of our holy God. And we come... Uh, to a chapter in chapter 4 of 1 Thessalonians. And many times when you mention chapter 4 of 1 Thessalonians or you begin to look at it, if you were to look at the entire chapter, you would be inclined uh, to think of that particular chapter based on its final five verses where we begin to talk about the picture that a Christian has in the comfort of a coming Christ, that we have a, a comfort in knowing that Jesus Christ is coming again. And that is a great place to fast forward to. If I could think of a section that I really wanted to focus on as a believer, I believe the second coming of Christ would be something that I would get excited about. But this morning, instead of looking at the last five verses, we're going to spend time looking at the first two verses of this particular chapter of Paul's letter to the church of the Thessalonians. Now I'll tell you, the plea here in these first two verses from Paul is a plea that is passionate, it is a plea that is powerful, and quite frankly, it is a plea that is convicting if we will take a long look at ourselves with brutal honesty. I can promise you though this morning when you get ready to leave here, there will be no one that has wrestled with the words of these two verses any more than your pastor this week because the Holy Spirit of God has taken me to the woodshed each and every day of this week as I begin to study through these verses. And now that you're excited, everybody please stand if you're able. In honor and reverence of the reading of the holy words of our holy God from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 1 and 2. And finally then, brethren... We urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should abound more and more. Just as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God, for you know what commandments we gave you through the Lord Jesus. Let us pray, Father God. God, we thank you for your Spirit's presence in the house. We don't take for granted when the Holy Spirit of God descends upon his people. God, we thank you for that presence, and we pray that you would uh, abide with us just a few moments more as we open your words, God, the words of your Bible that we believe to be no less than your words, God. Speak to us in the next few minutes, God. God, you bind any devil or any demon from this place that might hinder us from the worship of you. Would you just escort that thought right out the front door now? And God, let your people draw near to you in this time. God, we love you. We realize that what we have asked is not something we can manifest of ourselves, but a gift from you. God, I am keenly aware that in the house this morning, nobody needs to hear a word from the pastor, but everybody needs to hear a word from you. So God, if I were to say anything in error, would you mute my mouth and be glorified this morning? For it is in your holy, heavenly saving name that we pray, Jesus, as all of God's children said, amen, and you may be seated. Now, the first thing that we're going to look at this morning is this thought. There is a passion in the plea that's being made here. The start of verse 1 starts to, to kind of clue us in uh, to some things in Paul's thinking. He, he's nearing the close of this letter. He's in his final two, uh, final two chapters, so to speak, uh, of this letter. And keep in mind uh, that the chapters are something that we have placed in there uh, as we've interpreted the Bible through the years. Paul was just writing a letter. And we've kind of broken the thoughts down. And so Paul is, is kind of nearing the end, the last two paragraphs, so to speak, of his letter to the church and the Thessalonians. And we see first this word, finally. And so 
it kind of calls our attention that, that Paul is really saying with that word finally, it really means uh, there's something else that remains uh, to be said. There's something else that, that remains to be written. Something else that I want to get across to you. Uh, and, and so he says this word, uh, finally. There, there's something left to say, so to speak. Uh, it's kind of like if I were giving you directions uh, to the church house this morning from the airport. If, if I were to start giving you the directions and I were to say something like, uh, you know, get on Donaldson Pike and head towards uh, 40. Get on 40 and, and head towards Lebanon. Get off at, at, at Highway 231 South and then, and then head south on that highway. If I were to stop there, you'd end up in Murfreesboro. But I might say that and I might say, finally, when you get to East Old Murfreesboro Road, hang a left. And, and so the last direction would be no less important than the first direction. You see what I'm saying? Uh, likewise, if I were to just give you the last direction without having given you the first left, I'd tell you to get off the plane and turn left on East Old Murfreesboro Road, and that would do you no good unless you had a Google map. But none of that would matter. And so that's what Paul is really saying here with that big word, finally. He's saying, in light of everything I've written, those commands were important, but I'm not done. This next command I'm going to give you is equally, if not more important. But i got to give you both of them in order for it to make sense. And so Paul has this plea. So what is this plea that we're talking about today? I said it's a passionate plea that Paul has. And so finally, what is this plea? If you look down in verse 1, you'll see that he says, We urge and exhort in the Lord Jesus that you should, what? Abound more and more. And that's really the theme of these two verses. Paul's plea to the church at the Thessalonians is finally, in light of everything I've written, I need you to excel more and more as you move forward. This is a call to go over and above. When he says that word abound, it means to go over and above what you're already doing, to exceed what has already been mentioned. So if the plea, the passionate plea from Paul is that they would excel more, in what they're doing, what did he say in those first three chapters that they've been doing? Well, 1 Thessalonians is one of the rare letters that Paul writes where he doesn't include a rebuke to the church. He doesn't come out and tell them what they're doing wrong. He doesn't give them a rebuke theologically. He doesn't give them a rebuke practically. He doesn't say, you've been behaving in the wrong manner. I've heard bad witness from you. I've heard you've become legalistic. I've heard you become pharisaic. I've heard you become morally corrupt. He says none of those things. In fact... Uh, in chapter 1, he starts to talk about what a good example the church is. He says to the church in the Thessalonians, Your example, uh, I give thanks to you for your work, for your faith, and for your labors in love. I thank God for your following of Christ after your conversion to Christianity. He even writes, he says, I long to spend time with you. I wish I could be there. You are such an uplifting church that I wish I could come and hang out with you there in Thessalonica. He calls the church his joy. He says, you are my joy. As I sent Timothy to you because I didn't know when I was going to get there, Timothy has reported back to me good news and you are my joy. So if the church is doing well, what is Paul exhorting them to abound more and more and more and more in? And I believe if we look to these two words, urge and exhort, we'll see that what they really do is they come from a place where you're calling attention to a sincere request from someone who has earned the right to make that request. It would be kind of like if you had a dear friend Someone who had been good to you, a family member or a friend who had always been good to you. They'd always been there for you. They'd always picked you up. They'd always done everything in their power to, to be there for you. And they were to come and put their arm around you one day and said, I really need something from you. That person has earned that right to, to be more important, so to speak, in that request. They put their arms, I, I need you to do something. Well, if that person meant to you something, you would do everything in your power to respond favorably to what they were requesting. And that's what Paul is doing to the church in Thessalonians. He is, he's calling on uh, all of his respect 
that he had gained from the church for what he had done. I'm calling upon every ounce of who I am to you. Every important thing about me to you. I'm calling on you to abound more and more. I'm going to urge you and exhort you. I'm going to beg you, so to speak. In light, if you love me, if you care about me, if I've ever done anything for you, I urge you to do these things. And there is a passion in his plea. But it's not a passion that they would correct their behavior. It's an exhortation that they would continue in their behavior. In other words, he's saying, do more of what you've been doing. Don't quit. It is not the time to quit, is what Paul is saying. And so why is Paul so passionate in this plea to the Thessalonians not to quit? And I believe the reason why Paul is so passionate in his plea is the same reason that I come this morning passionate in my plea. Paul's letter to the Thessalonians that he said, don't stop, is the same reason that I come to you this morning in the same fashion and I call upon any ounce of respect that I may have gained from you as your pastor. I call on any amount of friendship that I may have gained from you in our life. I call upon any ounce of any friendship or any thought or anything you have of me. Anything that might call me to have the ability to ask you to do something for me. And I come alongside of you just like Paul. And I say these words to you, my friends. Now is not the time to quit. Paul looked around the world. He looked at the situation and he said, quite simply, Thessalonians, I need you to continue in your labors of love because the harvest is so plenty and the laborers are so few. There are so many people that need Jesus and so few people telling people about Jesus that I can't have people that are doing the good to stop what they're doing. I need you to continue on. And my friends, I am here with the same plea. I'm here to tell you that not that you're not doing a good job. Uh, when I put on Facebook that this was a convicting message, many of you thought he's going to stand up there and he's going to tell us how bad we're doing. I'm telling you, you're doing a great job, Rocky Valley. I'm telling you, you're doing a great job, any of you that are here from any other house of the Lord in this county. You're doing a phenomenal job, but don't stop. It's not the time to stop. Do you realize that the harvest has never been more plentiful than it is today? In 2018, right now at the beginning of June, June, the harvest is more plentiful than it has ever been in any of our lives for the Lord Jesus Christ's name to be proclaimed. We live in a time. About skipped a page of notes, y'all have got to lunch too quick. We don't want all that to happen. We live in a time in this society... I want to call your attention to this. This is the first generation in American history where we have more people who claim no religious affiliation than we do those who claim to be a member of a church. Proudly proclaim that they have no religious affiliation. Do you realize that 25 years ago, for someone to say they don't believe in God would have been taboo? In this great country, nobody would have stood and said, I don't go to church and I don't want to go to church and I'm fine that I don't go to church. Now, my friends, they still existed. There were plenty of people that didn't go to church. But in this society today, it has become normal. In fact, if you say, I'm a proud member of a local fellowship, you're an oddball now. Did you realize that? All of you are odd folks because you decided to get up and come to the house of the Lord this morning. My friends, you know what that tells me? Not that there's a problem with them, it's there's a problem with us. Hang on, let me say that again. The problem doesn't lie with them. The problem lies with us. You know what we did, church? We quit. We quit. We decided that the people that were in here is who we was going to love, and we wasn't going to worry about the people that was out there, and the people that was out there said what's in there didn't change them. My friends, let me tell you, I've got one of my oldest friends here in the house this morning, and I believe that man would stand and testify that the Lord has changed Jason Mall. I'm a different man than I was back then. I'm a different person than I was back then. But you know what? I've quit on a lot of things. I haven't gone out and told enough people what God has done for me. I haven't went out and shown enough people what the Lord has done for me. The fact that there are any pews in this house this morning that don't have rear ends in them tells me that I'm not doing enough. But it tells me you're not doing enough either. It is not the time to quit. There is a passion in the plea that Paul makes. But can I call your attention to the fact that there's also a power 
for the plea that Paul makes. Now, Paul is passionate. Paul was a passionate man. Many of you would say that I can become a passionate man on occasion. I wouldn't know what you were talking about. But there's a power in the plea. Paul says, don't, 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 don't quit. Now, you just keep on doing what you're doing, but do more of it. Well, well, how do I do that, Brother Jason? I thought I was already doing all I could do. Well, what does Paul say? How does he urge them that they would excel more and more? He says, in the Lord Jesus. Where are you going to get your power for this abounding more? You're going to get it from Jesus. What does that mean? That means the power to do more and excel more is not going to be a natural power. It's not going to be something you can manifest on your own. You know what? If you could manifest it on your own, you'd already done it. If you could do it on your own, you'd already be doing it. We wouldn't even be having to have this conversation this morning. It's not a natural power. It's going to come from the Lord Jesus. Now, Paul refers to Jesus in a specific way here. He says, Lord Jesus. We don't want to look over that. He's saying, Master, ruler of my life, head honcho, so to speak, when he says, Lord Jesus. He's calling attention to the fact that Jesus is not only his Savior, but he's his master. He's his commander. He's the, he's the chief of the ship. He's the pilot of the, of the plane. And so he says, Lord Jesus is where we'll get the power. And so how do we make Jesus Lord of our life? We study his word. That's how he talks to us. We pray. That's how we talk to him. We are discipled. That's how we get close to him. And we disciple others. That's how we serve him. Where might be a good place for those things to happen? Oh, that's right. Right here. That's where those things happen. That's where you can study the Word of God with other believers. That's where you can admonish one another and pick one another up. That's where you can be discipled and you can disciple someone. This is not a place where we come to check off the box for Sunday morning attendance so that we can feel better in our week as we go on. If you didn't come into the house of the Lord this morning to worship the God of wonders beyond our galaxy... You didn't come for the right reason. If you came so that Tuesday morning when somebody asks you what you did Sunday, you can say, I went to church, you might as well have stayed in your bed this morning and slept in. But if you came this morning to worship the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and I believe you've done it already, and I believe you're going to continue to do it, and I believe you came for the right reason, and I believe you'll change your life when you do that. This is not that place where we just come. This is a place where we fellowship with one another, the Word of God says one of the joys of being a part of a local fellowship is we can share burdens with one another and pick one another up. And it's where we plug in to that power source, the Lord Jesus Christ, and draw nearer to Him. Now, I know. I know, children, Sunday school teacher that's out there right now, I know that it feels like you prepare a lesson and the kids spend more time eating their snack and coloring their little page or coloring the table under the page than they do listening to what you've prepared. But I can assure you that's our next generation Sunday school teachers. Youth worker, I know that it seems they're more into their Instabook or their Tweeter or their Flipagram Snapchat, whatever else it is today. They take 11 selfies while you're teaching the lesson, three of them with duck lips. I don't understand it, but I don't have to. I did things that my parents didn't understand. I did things that I don't even understand now. But you keep sowing them seeds, you know why? That's your next evangelist. That, that little boy or girl that's going... They're going to be in Honduras one day, spreading the word of God because you've poured into them right now. Don't quit. Choir sounded good this morning, didn't they? Amen. They sounded great. But guess what? Now's not the time to quit. Matter of fact, now's the time to join the choir. So they might glorify God even more with your voice in unison. I don't know about coming to practice on Wednesday night. Why not? What else are you doing to glorify God Wednesday morning at 7.30? How else can you glorify God Wednesday evening at 7.30 better than what you're already doing? I know we're busy. And it seems like the things that we do at church can just, man, they can wear you out, can't they? Seems so taxing sometimes. Say, bro, I just need a break. 
And I can assure you that there's nobody in the house of the Lord this morning that at some position in their life hasn't tried to do so many things at any church that I looked around and said, I need a break from something. I got to give something up. But can I just tell you something? God has never called you out of a ministry to nothing. Let me say that again. God has never called you out of, I didn't say God's never called you out of a ministry. He does that regularly. Your season's over for that. It's time for something else. But he's never called you out of a ministry to do nothing. Never. If you think he's called you out of a ministry to do nothing, you're serving yourself and not your Lord. If he removes you from one ministry, he's plugging you in to another. We were not meant to sit stagnant. But I'm tired, Brother Jason. I'm just so tired. Good news. The Word of God says all you who are weak and heavy laden, that means all you who are tired, come to me and I'll give you rest. He didn't say go sit on the couch, close your eyes for a minute. He said plug in to that power source that has never run out called the Holy Spirit of God. The same power that picked Paul up. He'd been stoned and left for dead. And he got up and said, I'm just going to keep preaching. They ain't killed me yet. And then one day they killed him. And you know what happened? He went up to heaven and he said, God, who do I need to preach to now? Because he's been praising the Lord ever since he got saved on that Damascus road. Brother Jason, can't come to church on Sunday evenings or Wednesday evenings. That's my family time. Friend, think of that statement. Where's your family time best spent? I'm not in any way against family time. You will find, if you get to know me, that I am a pastor who pushes you to spend time with your family. You ought to spend time with your family. You ought to spend a lot of time with your family. But can I tell you where in the world the best place for you to spend time with your family is? Right here in the house of the Lord. What better example can you give to your kids that it's important enough for us to get up from what we're doing and go back to the house of the Lord with the people of God? Well, I don't have to be here every time the door's open to be a good Christian. You're right. But you ought to want to. Let me say that again. You don't have to. You're right. You can be a good Christian all by yourself off in your hole somewhere maybe. But you ought to want to be here with the people of God worshiping God. And if you don't want to be here with your church family, then you need to find your way to your knees and ask God to renew his passion inside of you because you've lost something. Because the Jesus that saved me didn't save me to go sit on the couch. He saved me to come and worship. I'm not talking about those seasons either before somebody catches me out in the parking lot and says, Brother, i got to work on Sunday night. I know. I'm not talking about those seasons where it doesn't work. I get it. There are times in your life where it just doesn't work. My work schedule, i got to be at work at 3 a.m. the next morning. I've got a new baby. We can't do all that. I'm not talking about those seasons. I'm talking about when you just flat would rather be lazy than get up and come to the house of the Lord, and that's your only excuse if you're being honest. That's not acceptable, church. You've quit. You've quit. If you used to come here and you don't anymore, and there's not a really good reason, then you, my friend, have quit. If you're a child of God, you need to be plugged into the local fellowship. How in the world can we do more and excel more and be more and share more and proclaim more and quite frankly make a bigger deal out of Jesus more if we don't come to the house where Jesus is proclaimed and made a big deal out of. And if we don't want to, how in the world can we ask somebody else to come? Hey, I'd like for you to come to church with me, but I'm going to need you to come on the Sunday morning service. I probably ain't going to be there Sunday night. Wednesday night, I'm not sure. But if you'll come Sunday morning, but now not the third Sunday morning because that's when Matlock comes on early in the morning. I need you to come the first, second, or fourth Sunday of that month. And I will be there and we'll worship together. My friends, that is crazy. Why in the world would that person want to come be a part of that? That'd be about like me inviting you to a ball game and saying, you know what, they really aren't very good. And I probably ain't even going to come watch them myself. But you can sit in my seat. It don't make no sense, does it? We're talking about worshiping the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. And if you can't, let me tell you this too. I think Rocky Valley Baptist Church is the greatest church on God's earth. I mean that from the bottom of my heart, from my toes to my head. And it's not, it ain't because your pastor's so good looking. No, he is. 
I think this is the greatest church in Wilson County, in Tennessee, and in the country. But my friend, let me tell you this with all honesty. If you can't get excited to come here and worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, then go somewhere where you can. Because now is not the time to quit. Get your hind parts somewhere where you can worship the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords and be so excited about coming to do it that you want to bring somebody with you. There is a passion in the plea and there is a power for the plea. But perhaps most importantly as we close, there is a person of the plea. Paul says, just do more of the same. Follow the commandments that you have learned from us through who? Through the Lord Jesus. What's Paul saying there? Paul is essentially saying, listen, I came up beside you and I called upon the respect that you had for me because I was your teacher and I was your preacher. But I didn't really teach you anything. I was just obedient to the Lord Jesus. Anything that you've learned, you learned through the power of Christ. It's all about him anyway. We didn't teach you anything of our own doing. We were just being obedient. We just did what God called us to do. And so how do we gather here and do more and more in the power of the Lord Jesus? We'll do it when we make it about him in the first place. What did Jesus say about the Pharisees? He said, they do what they do for the glory of all those who are watching. It's just a show. And they've already got their reward and all of the glamour that they get for the show they put on. When you do it for you, and you do it for your own glory, you've already got your reward. Don't call on the power of God to glorify yourself. You ain't going to get it. You ain't going to get it. But when you do it for the glory of God, and make it about Him, wee boy. You know, that's how I know that any excuse we have not to serve Him, or obey Him, it's just making it about us, isn't it? I'm busy. I'm tired. That's making it about you and not about him. I'm not qualified, Brother Jason. I can't teach that class. I'm just not qualified. Really, you're making it about you and your inability. I can't sing, Brother Jason. I don't sing well. Why don't you lean on God and his ability and see what happens? Now, there's a few of you I don't want to join the choir. You don't sing well. <laughs> so how do we respond this morning to this message? Well, for some of us, if we're being completely honest, we just flat ain't serving the Lord the way we used to. We're not doing the things we used to do. See, I don't feel the same way. God's the same. He's never changed. So the person that's drifted is you. It don't feel the way it used to feel, Brother Jason. Make your way to this altar. And ask God to renew your passion to serve him. He will. I promise he will. But I don't come to church the way I used to. We used to teach three classes, and, and now I don't even teach one. I don't teach anything, in fact, anymore, Brother Jason. I'm not discipling anyone. I'm not being discipled in any way. Come to the altar this morning and make the commitment that you ain't going to quit. Because my friend, now is not the time to quit. Maybe you've gotten saved. You've come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. You've never served him, though. You got saved. You started coming to church. You made those first steps. You've never served him in any way. And he said, Brother Jesse, I don't know how. That's okay. That's okay. Come and talk about that. I promise you, no matter how young or old, how new or seasoned, a, a veteran Christian or a, or a rookie Christian, there's a place for you to serve the Lord here at this church. There's something that you can do to serve the Lord and plug in. So would you come this morning and make that commitment? Lord, I don't know where it's going to be or how it's going to be, but I going to serve you. Make that, make that stand that Joshua made when he said, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. That's what we're going to do. Rocky Valley, would you come this morning and make that commitment? As for this church,
We're going to serve the Lord. We're not going to quit. There's way too many souls at stake for us to give up now. What can I do? Not why can I do it to excel more and more. And maybe you're here. And as we went through this message, you've realized you've never made a commitment to the Lord. I've never served him because he's never been the Lord of my life. It's always been about me. I've always served myself. I may have come to church. I may have never been to church. But I've always just served myself. Would you come this morning and make that first commitment to cry out to Jesus and make him the Lord and Savior of your life? Because if you've never been changed and reborn by Christ, then today is the day for your salvation. Won't you come this morning? And make him your savior. Let's pray. Father God. God when we open your word. And ask you to speak to us. We best be careful. Because sometimes you do. God you spoke to me this week. You put my feet to the fire. About things I haven't been doing to serve you the way that I should. And God, when your feet have been put to the fire by the Holy Spirit of the Lord, you got two choices. You can run or you can bow. So God, I pray that in the house this morning, that each and every believer here this morning would say, I'm not going to run from the Holy Spirit of God. I'm going to bow in obedience. And I'm going to serve you, Lord. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to give up. I'm going to serve you, God. God, if there be somebody here under the sound of this feeble, useless voice who doesn't know you as Savior and Lord, God, would you convict them this morning? Would you cause a stirring in their heart that only you can cause? Save them by your grace. God, we love you. And it is in your sweet name that we pray, as all of God's people said. Please stand. Please stand. Thanks again for joining in. We sincerely hope that this has blessed you in some way. If you have any further questions, feel free to give us a call or check us out on the web at www.rockyvalleybaptist.org. Thank you and have a blessed day.